And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, now, now. Hello and welcome to Eastcast. We're here as usual, reporting on the best of arts and culture happening all across East London. I'm Nia Sharpentier and I'm here with the rest of the Eastcasters. That's Pearl Wise, Anna Xavier, Martha McAlpine and our resident art reporter Zoe Bryant is with us this week too. And we have a great show today. Nia has been back in time to 1969. A half a million young people can get together and have three days of fun and music. And have nothing but fun and music. And I got bless you for it. Yes, that was then, but this is now. I'll be talking to the man who organised that momentous weekend in the 60s Woodstock Festival, as well as a photographer who has, um, and they've collaborated on a book and an exhibition that's happening right now in Shoreditch. And we've got a busy show ahead of us today with many, many guests, um, including Anna from the Anxiety Arts Festival, uh, Mia from Free Range uh, Exhibition, Dave from uh, Four Corners Photography, um, and we've also got uh, Zoe, who's back to give us the scoop on First Thursdays and Arts this month. Yeah, and it's been a bit of a, a tricky one um, finding gigs coming up in East London as it, we're in full festival season. So everyone's either away or too tired, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, but I managed to sort out a few good tunes for you. Um, we'll be hearing music from Blue Hawaii, Chicks on Speed, Farago, Beth Orton. And as you all know, I'm a bit of a sucker for a good cover. So let's kick off with a little sweet baboo with his version of The Boys Are Back in Town.
Songwriter Sweet Baboo's rendition of Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town. Not so appropriate for this show as it's pretty female dominated. But um, Sweet Baboo is playing at the waiting room on Wednesday, the 9th of July, as part of a mini tour to celebrate the release on the Moshi Moshi label of a collection of recordings um, recorded by Sweet Baboo on the Mark Riley show. So East London's Free Range is in its 14th year. It's basically a seven-week show of um, 3,000 art graduates' work. Um, They exhibit over seven weeks um, from such disciplines as fine art, design, photography and architecture. It's free to go and um, have a look around, so it's pretty awesome show actually and um, we've got one of the organizers here um mia lewis welcome to east cast how are you mia i'm good thank you so you've you've already been going for a few weeks i think we've got about three weeks left of the show is that right yeah we've got two art weeks left in the interiors and architecture week so it's still still a bit to see uh, how's it been going so far it's been great it's been fantastic seeing the diverse range of work there's been we've so far only we've had the fashion shows as well on top of all the art shows that's been really nice other than that they each run for a week great and the so we've got the next one's art and then after that's uh architecture and interiors is that what kind of work would you expect to see at the uh the 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 next the next few weeks the fine art shows are going to be really exciting so we've got um we've got illustration we've got graphics we've got fine art we've got lots of sculptures we've also got some really strange but fantastic performance art pieces we've got one girl sitting in a bathtub oh (laughs) Um, okay we have um another girl dancing and lots of other exciting things (laughs) well it's an it's an absolutely ginormous space so um it's probably hard to actually remember every single little bit of art in there they're all on our website and all of the performance art pieces for you to catch up on fantastic we've also got something really exciting coming up in the fine art weeks we've got cass art helping us curate free thinking which is a series of talks that will be going on within our spaces during art and design week two so that's the third to the seventh of july Okay, so can anyone go and listen to those talks? Yeah, anyone can come. It's mostly aimed at your um, recent graduates. So we've got different topics like get, get Your Art Out There, so that's talking about how to promote yourself as a new artist. We've also got Materials Matter, so Cass Art are going to bring in some of their specialists who know about the, re- the, the newest materials. And there's two other topics, but you can look on their website to find out more details. Nice. And what I want to ask, actually, is um, obviously it's for graduates to show their work and get you know a chance to actually exhibit. How does the free range help them with their career post-degree? Post so the, we've always provided... I think the good thing that makes it a really good platform is the fact that all the shows are together. So people from industry would come and see all the shows. They'd come to one show and they'd, they'd have all these other ones on their doorstep. But that's what we're trying to do this year, is by bringing in the 
the free thinking talks. And we also, during the photography weeks, which we've just gotten, we've had roving professionals. So Ideas Tap have been sponsoring people to come in and chat to the students. Industry people have been coming in as well. So we've been facilitating it more formally. So they know when people are coming around, they are wearing badges. So... So like to quickly prepare for that. Yes, yes, we've been we've been making sure that they're all there and ready and raring to go. So it's really nice. So for keen a, students. So it's a really good platform for them to kind of get in that professional mode as yeah, well. Definitely, definitely. We're trying to we're trying to make some more like form. It's always been a great platform for people to meet meet people, meet each other, create collaborations. But we're trying to make it a bit more visible. Fantastic. Did you want to ask something, Zoe? Um, I think you've covered it. I was going to say that I, when I graduated in illustration, we did free range as well, and it was it was very exciting mm. and very busy. So I'm sure it's a good thing. Everyone seems for to know his career. Everyone seems to know someone who's done it, which is the great thing. I think, um, yeah, it's a, a place where little communities are made and collaborations. People meet people from different disciplines and work together. Fantastic. And in the next sort of three weeks, is there anything in particular that you would say, you know? or maybe even an artist that you would say, check out? I'd say definitely try and be around some of the performance art pieces. They're going to be really interesting, but, yeah, some of them are quite abstract. And and is is it all on the website, details? Yeah, it's all on the website. And then also I'd definitely recommend, if anyone's interested in getting ahead in the creative industries, coming to the Cass Art Curated Talks. Definitely, it's always good to uh, get a step up. Yeah, no, definitely, even if you're not, even if you're not, you've graduated a while ago, it'd be great. Thank you so much, Mia, and good luck. Thank you. <laughs> Hope it goes well. Thanks. Cheers. Some music. Um, it's Beth Orton celebrates the reissue of her second album, uh, which was first released in 1999, uh, Central Reservation, and she'll be performing with her full band. Um, the album won her a Best Female Award at the Brits and gave her a second uh, Mercury Prize nomination. But I actually think my favourite Beth Orton track is her collaboration with the Chemical Brothers on Where Do I Begin, one of my all-time favourites. And that was released a couple of years before on the Chemical Brothers' Dig Your Own Hole album. Anyway, Beth Orton is playing uh, at the Barbican uh, on Thursday the 3rd of July and this is her 1999 track, Central Reservation. Central Reservation Last night's red dress And I can still smell you on my fingers And taste you on my breath Stepping through brilliant shades Of the color you bring This time, this time, this time It's fine just as it is
That was Central Reservation by Beth Orton. So mental health is something that affects one in four of us at some point in our lives. And the charity, the Mental Health Foundation, has come up with a new way of exploring anxiety through an arts festival. With us here in the studio is Anna Sexton to tell us more about it. Anna, welcome. So um, why specifically anxiety? Anxiety is one of the most prevalent mental health uh, mental health issues that can be suffered from by anyone in the general public. So it's one of the issues that can lead to more significant um, issues like uh, schizophrenia or psychosis. And it's something that within the creative world, those of us who kind of step up to do a performance or speak on radio um, or, you know, show a film for the first time to a group of friends or the, the wider public will understand that that sort of performance anxiety that comes with that. And so it was it was thought about in a way to isolate the word anxiety and see if you could play with that, being respectful, but also seeing if you can be creative with anxiety or is it something that actually can be a positive thing in people's lives? Yeah, because when when you get that sort of, when you're nervous, it actually produces sometimes, makes you better, more effective, doesn't it? Yeah, there's actually um, medical or um, biological evidence that the state of anxiety is actually quite close to the state of excitement. So the difference being that actually one time you may be feeling anxious because you're not breathing and you constrict yourself. And actually if you relax and you breathe into it, there may be some level of excitement. So they're two very similar things, but they take you down perhaps two or maybe more different kinds of pathways. Um, is this something that you've done before, brought um, a sort of arts festival around mental health? It's, it's quite an interesting way to, to get people around a topic. Is this the first one you've done? The Mental Health Foundation have been running um, an arts and mental health and film festival in Scotland for seven years. Um, theirs has been... Um, they have elements that are curated, but the the London Festival has been specifically curated by four curators. So although um, some people understand maybe what a curator might be and other people might not have a notion of that, um, actually the word comes from the word to care. Um, so we've all been looking at ways of how arts and health can be caring to different populations or audiences in London during June. And are you hoping to sort of raise awareness about mental health issues through the festival? Absolutely. First of all, you might just come to a film and it might be something that you get dragged to by a friend or a relative and actually you might resonate with something that you see in a film. But also we've had people um, from the foundation in T-shirts with information, booklets. We're also doing a unique study based on each time you come to an event, you're asked to say three things about how you feel based on your experience. And you're asked questions about your relationship to mental health within yourself and others in your community. So we're looking to try to challenge stigma and discrimination around what it is to have a mental health issue. Do you think we're getting better at talking about it? Or is it still quite a taboo? I think it's different for different people. And I would hope there are charities like the Mental Health Foundation. We've worked with Time to Change. Many people that we've worked with in the festival, we might have expected not to want to talk to us like prisoners in Brixton Prison. And in fact, the men were absolutely not desperate to talk to us, but actually turned out that they really wanted to share about their feelings and, and talk about the levels of anxiety that they have about leaving prison or the kind of stigma that they face about being uh, an ex-criminal or an ex-convict. Um, through to people who come to arts exhibitions who feel very nervous about coming into a gallery for the first time. So I think it's very individual, but certainly I, I think we've made a difference in, in helping people to approach the subject. I mean, I'm impressed about um, the, the wealth of um, content that you have for this festival. I mean, it's all across London. It's a hugely ambitious festival there are events happening everywhere and all around these topics I mean you say there are four curators have you been working on this kind of how long has it taken just to put all of this together it's incredible well I mean the d director Errol Francis was working on this since May March May 2012 we the curators that came on part-time two days a week in June to uh, January 2013 um, and of course we've not done it alone so there's been huge help we've had an amazing festival intern who's just held us all together and then all the amazing partners from you know service users who create their own um, weekly cafes through to people like the Dulwich Picture Gallery and um, Brixton Prison or the Wigmore Hall so it's very very broad. What have been some of the highlights because it's been going 
um, for the last month in, in venues across London, including Hackney Picture House and the Barbican in the East. Uh, what have been some of the highlights and also what can people still catch? Because there's a few things going on um, for the coming weeks and months, aren't there? Yeah, the festival officially ends um, on, I think it's today. And um, then we go into July with the Dizziness of Freedom, which is a project based down in Bermondsey, which actually came out of Bow Arts, who are an East London arts studio and gallery complex. Um, it's a project that space that has been created with Crisis. So it's an exhibition of artists who we're not going to tell you where they come from, but there have been... Um, collaborations with um, organisations such as Action Space who work with artists with learning disabilities but all of the artists will be given completely equal platform um, so that's really exciting and very high profile. Um, we have the Dragon Cafe today, uh, it starts at 12 so if people are listening and want to come down and enjoy massage um, there's chanting and yoga but also food that's made from a food saving scheme in Borough Market so that's on offer the last event of the festival is uh, a concerto which was written in a concentration camp, which is on the 11th of July. So although that sounds, well, perhaps that might sound like it's quite anxious, it's actually a beautiful piece of music and written at a particular time in history um, that would give those who maybe haven't been to the Wigmore Hall the chance to experience some music that was made at a very anxious period in history. So there's a kind of range of that. So if people um, want to find out more, obviously they can go on to your website, which is um, anxiety2014.org. That's yes, right. that's great. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty incredible festival, so definitely recommend catching the, the last things that you can see over July. Thank you so much, Anna, for Thanks coming Thanks for having in. me. Brilliant. We interviewed Ian Bennett, a.k.a. Farago, about his acoustic folk event, The Music Box at Paper Dress, a couple of months ago. Um, Ian, um, we didn't mention at the time, is also an accomplished singer-songwriter and will be playing at Underbelly in Hoxton on Thursday the 3rd of July. So I thought I'd play you uh, one of his songs. Um, it's called Red Rag to a Rainbow. <laughs> i 
with red rag to a rainbow. In the studio with us now is Dave Tan from Four Corners. It's a gallery and training centre for photography and film on Roman Road in Bethnal Green. Um, Dave, you're here, welcome, first of all. <laughs> you're here to tell us about um, a collaboration um, on an exhibition called Editions. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, Four Corners has been established for about 40 years now. In fact, we're celebrating our 40th um, birthday this year, stroke next year. Um, but we've never really established our own collection of prints to tour or sell. We're not really a selling gallery. It's much more of a publicly funded gallery that supports younger emerging artists into their sort of mid-career phase. Um, so we um, were talking to uh, three guys, Fiona, David and Spencer, who set up Uncertain States when they were doing their MAs and PhDs at London Metropolitan University. And both of us... Um, and Uncertain States is a it's an artist, project. Yeah, no, it's an artist-led um, organisation that produces a quarterly broadsheet newspaper that now distributes nationally. Um, they have they profile nine photographic artists in each issue, um, and after uh, four and a half years, I'll celebrate their fifth year this October. Um, after four years, we started talking together, and we both had in mind um, establishing a print sale service. Um, they needed a space and a recognised gallery to house the artist proofs that could tour um, as well as a, a recognised gallery that had a website that could host the print sales facility um, and we wanted to work with um, a network of artists that were international established that you know had proven track records that you know their work would would definitely sell so it was a it was a great kind of coming together um and over the last eight months we've just worked on this initiative which launches tomorrow at our gallery uh on the roman road in bethnal green and how many uh photographers um have you got in all because there's quite a lot aren't there uh, yeah in the print sales 
collection. We're launching with 19 artists and we're hoping to raise that number to about 40 maximum in about two years' time. So it'll be a very carefully selected group of artists that we will sell um, very small editions of. Um, but uh, as far as Four Corners is concerned, um, because we've been established for so long um, and we've run numerous European Union-funded professional development programmes for London-based photographers, um, you know, we're currently supporting 108 photographers over a three-year programme um, in collaboration with Space, Cockpit Arts and Photofusion in Brixton. Um, so, and that's a million pounds four partner project um, and we've, this is the third three year type programme of its kind that Four Corners has run so we, we do support hundreds of filmmakers and photographers um, with kind of upskilling and you know managing their businesses and the, and the photographs that will be on display in your gallery, is there a theme or is it f anything and anything? It's it's curated uh, by the guys at Uncertain States. We gave them licence to curate, you know, the work from the artists within their network um, and cherry-pick what they thought was a good, diverse range within the collection. And um, you say you're selling them. Are they, you know, are they affordable <laughs> to the average person? How much are we talking? 250 to £1,000. Pounds. But there will be the odd artist who you know, maybe represented and then the work may sell for much more than that. But they will, you know, have kindly, because of the relationships we have with them, um, give us exclusive rights to sell an addition of up to nine images, of maybe one piece. Okay. And is there anyone in particular that you've uh, got your eye on that, that we should check out? You have or? to come down, <laughs> come down <laughs> tomorrow. It's a, Good salesman. <laughs> it's, um, it, it's a really nice kind of, you know, discreet collection of, of images I saw it first time today hanging in the in the gallery and um yeah I was you know I've seen a lot of work you know over I've been you know at this space for 20 years now um and I've seen a lot of exhibitions you know put up at this space and this is a really nice clean show um and you know we think the work will sell okay yeah and so um, if anyone wants to pop in, Four Corners, you're on Roman Road. 121 Roman Road. Okay. The opening is tomorrow night, 6.30 to 8.30, and everyone's welcome to join us. And how long will they be up for? It'll be up for four weeks. I think it comes down on the 25th of July, but my maths might be wrong. My, my diary. So a few weeks to check Yeah, out. four weeks. Okay, Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you so much Thank for having you. me. Right, time for a bit more music. Um, if you're not familiar with Chicks on Speed, you might find this next track a little confusing. Is it really music? That's what you might ask. Actually, um, founder Alex Murray, Leslie and Melissa Logan, who started Chicks on Speed, um, always said it's been more of an art collective than a straight-up band. Um, their new album, Utopia, was released in March this year and they'll actually be at the Ace Hotel for their UK Utopia single launch. Funny enough, yeah, everyone's going to the Ace Hotel these days who I know. do big things. They, they've got... Um, They've got someone very on the ball um, with their uh, curation, they music curation. Well. Yeah, and they've got good. a couple of floors. So it's becoming quite an interesting music venue. Um, so this is on the 3rd of July. Um, it's invi invite only. So check out the hotel, the Ace Hotel website for details. And here it is, Utopia by Chicks on Speed. Well, one sees, you know, this idea Paradise, of a future, but it's past. Place, virtual and I don't know, the, I don't think yeah. everyone grabbed yeah. the token yeah. biggest If you are one of these people who don't have a utopia in your mind, you are caught in Ice Age 3. Multiple imagined worlds Cobra 
call that music <laughs> that was uh, chicks on speed with utopia so that's quite appropriate actually um, because what we have coming up next so here's something for those of you with the post glastonbury blues it's been 45 years since what has probably become the most iconic music festival there ever was one that really captured the spirit of the 1960s i'm talking of course about Wood- woodstock and um, i talked to two men who were there and have brought photographs from that summer of 69 to a gallery right here in Shoreditch. I'm Michael Lang. I contributed to Baron's book and one of the producers of the Woodstock 69 Festival. It was Michael's idea, this whole festival. 
Don't let him tell you otherwise. He is the idea behind the greatest festival ever. I'm simply a photographer. My name's Baron Woolman, and I just took pictures of his festival. How did this collaboration between the two of you come about? I have a mutual friend who, who saw the pictures and who was a fan of Woodstock itself, the whole event, and he just thought it would be a good idea to make a book and that get Michael's voice and my pictures together to tell the story as much as possible of what happened that weekend. And why are you doing this now? Well, it's a uh, 45th anniversary. It's, you know, anniversary is always good times to remember events. And, you know, Woodstock seems to be something that remains a part of the fabric of, of our world even today and, and, and doesn't seem to be diminishing at all. So there's a lot of interest in Baron's wonderful photographs. I've never been in a book. And, and we just thought, I guess they can just thought, really, why not now? And what was it about Woodstock that has made it so such an iconic, special festival? Well, there were many aspects. First of all, it was um, an organic festival. I mean, Michael had a really good idea of how to bring people and bands together, not for the sake of making money necessarily, not that he wanted to lose money, but that wasn't the purpose. It was really a gathering of people, like-minded people, at a time in society, especially in the U.S., where... It was important for that voice to be heard and people to get together. So that became the nexus of the festival, and it kind of grew from there. It became bigger than anything he had even planned it to be. And do you think it was mainly about timing, you know, that essence, the spirit of the time? Yes, I think, I think you know, to a large extent it was about the timing. You know, we had been a generation of kids who felt we could really make a difference in the world, and let our voices be heard, and we, we uh, got out of the house and got into the streets and, and fought for things that we believed in, for human rights and civil rights and, and into the Vietnam War and really many, many, many issues, the ecology and, and so on. And, you know, we had this sort of dream that this could be a more peaceful and compassionate world, and, and we were going to try and make it so. And through toward the end of that decade... Um, particularly you know, in the six, in 68, that sort of dream started to become come part a bit. You know, things started to get a bit violent in, in the po- politics of, of the youth culture, and um, there were the assassinations of, of Kennedy and Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and, and Nixon was in the White House, and things were not looking very good. And, and I felt that we were maybe losing our grip on, you know, that sort of dream. And so we felt... Let's bring everybody together. Let's sort of gather the tribes together and, and see if we can actually live, you know, those ideals ourselves. And that would be, you know, a statement that, that might have some, some force to it. And, and we did, and it did, on steroids. <laughs> Are there any particular moments from Woodstock that have stuck in your memory? Uh, for me, I mean, one moment that continues to stick in my memory is when Richie Havens took the stage and the sound system worked and the festival started and it was sort of a major relief on our part. You know, we had probably then three, 350,000 kids in the field and um, it just felt like such a good vibe and, you know, things came together in such a communal way and this wonderful community had formed and, and uh, that was a very magical moment for me. The amazing thing is that that community stuck together for three days in circumstances where you wouldn't expect it to stick together, you know, and kind of confirm what he had been talking about, that that generation, you know, really did believe in the dream and was willing to basically live the dream, you know, in spite of bad weather and mud and facilities, sanitary facilities that were limited and food that was limited. Nobody got angry. There was no violence. There was nothing that you see in festivals today, you know. What about festivals today? Are there any that compare? Because they're so popular still, and sort of yeah. growing in popularity. They're very popular, and, and most, most modern festivals are somewhat based in some way on, on the Woodstock model. Um, I think maybe Bonnaroo is the closest. Um, but, you know, Woodstock was more than just a party. It was more than just, you know, sort of a, a concert, you know, kind of party event. It was really this sort of sociological phenomenon that, that uh, overpowered the basic festival model and became something very spiritual. And so with this exhibition, you're trying to sort of capture 
the essence of what happened there? I mean, I tried to with the camera. In 1969, I was trying to capture the essence of what was going on beyond the music. The music was phenomenal, there's no question about it. But I had photographed all the bands prior to Woodstock, and I was more interested in this event that I had never encountered anything like it in my life. And I said, and I said this has to be documented in its own way, beyond the music. It's about the people that, that were there. You know, there was very little security, and you know, that was their idea. They didn't want any violent security that, or security that would create violence. And more people came than had tickets who wanted to hear the music. And it was very, as you can see, the cyclone fence was pretty basic. It was not there to keep people out, but kind of more of a de demarcation line. And so they, the people decided they wanted to come in anyhow, at which point the producers decided more or less at which point to make it a free concert, which is a significant, significant moment. Yeah, I mean, it was actually not even a decision. It was just sort of acknowledging a fait accompli. It was... <laughs> You know, we didn't have any ticket booths in place. Um, so it was impossible to either sell or collect tickets. And so, you know, we just did the obvious, which was, you know, it's free and, and everybody take responsibility for it. And everybody did. And, and it really and worked. That would never happen now. I mean, tickets for the big festivals now in excess of 200 pounds, aren't they? Yeah. You know, this was $18 for the three days, including camping and free kitchens and free, <laughs> free stages and... Well, the audio is not doing it justice, so I encourage people to come down and actually see these images. And you're here at Forge & Co. in Shoreditch um, until the 8th of July, aren't you? So uh, thank you very much, both welcome. of you. You're welcome. It was such a pleasure to meet them and, um, and you know, hear about from somebody, you know, from people who were actually there. And I'm fascinated to see those photographs because they're so iconic. Every single photograph from Woodstock has got into a newspaper at some point a magazine at some point mm. they they are just when you think of a festival you think of woodstock mm. you feel, think of naked people rolling around you think <laughs> of no, lots, of, lots of bottoms <laughs> <laughs> i think if it wasn't for woodstock we wouldn't have all the festivals exactly that we have today. that's totally mm. set a precedent it's um it is what we think of as a festival is woodstock they, they, we're still using that same um, way Ideal. of, uh, yeah, yeah. of organising a festival. It's, it's incredible. I've actually been to um, Woodstock, the, the place in America, but what oh. they told me uh, when I interviewed them, actually it happened in Bethel, which was um, a few miles away. So it wasn't actually in oh. Woodstock. They're lying! <laughs> yeah. but, so why um, did it become Woodstock? Um, I think that's the nearest sort of big, big place. Mm. Um, and yeah. Bethel just doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, yeah. it doesn't. doesn't sound big. Of course. Well, we we're keeping in the arts, and we have Zoe Bryant to tell us about great stuff happening in East London, right? Hi, yeah. Zoe. Hello. <laughs> so tell us, what should we keep an eye out for? Well, this Thursday, the third is First Thursdays, which is the monthly Time Out Whitechapel thing, um, where they have. Galleries open late, Thursday evenings, every Thursday, first Thursday of the month. Um, one of the things they're recommending is an exhibition called, well, it's by Fiona Banner, and it's called Mr. Kurtz, He Not Dead. And it's a collaboration between her and the Archive of Modern Conflict and Magnum photographer Paolo Pellegrin. Um, and it's an exploration of the City of London, um, its activities, customs, behaviours and costumes. So I'm assuming it means, you know, the kind of financial, you know, the the financial men around the city, suits so, and everything. Sort of suits and business types. Yeah, that, those types. Okay. But Bankers. photographed <laughs> in the style of conflict photography, which I can't really imagine, but the guy that she's I commissioned like the to sound photograph. of this. It sounds interesting. Yeah, it, it sounds, sounds really good. So she's, she was commissioned, I think, by the Archive of Modern, Conf Modern Conflict. She is in turn um, commissioned the Magnum photographer, who's a conflict photographer. So he's, he's photographing... Or he has photographed around the city of London. And so it's is it a, kind of like constructed photography, or is it more? I don't know. <laughs> well, we should definitely <laughs> go is... and find out. But I was just thinking yes. this conflict idea of the city is kind of, for me, that is the city. It's yeah. like trying to walk yes. through it True. in rush hour is definitely it's, hell. It's, no. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a nightmare. It's its own, um, it has its own police force and stuff, apparently, the city oh, of London, city that of area. London. Yeah, yeah. It's it a different, what's the word? It's a separate. Yeah, and Canary Wharf as well. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. I so that like... sounds good. 
I feel sorry. I feel like I'm a different species when I'm in the city. I'm just surrounded by suits, and I'm it's just very this odd. non-suit. Especially yeah, on a yeah. bicycle, it's always a bit weird. You're just like if you're not maneuvering. wearing lycra, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I should sorry. I shouldn't on be a here. But more into the arts, please. Okay, yeah. So that sounds really good, and that's at Pier um, on Hoxton Street, fifth of June until twenty sixth of July. Um, so that, again, it's called Mr. Kurtz, He Not Dead by Fiona Banner. Um, a couple of other things that aren't necessarily. Uh, first Thursdays related but sound really good to me um, Zin Taylor the tangential zigzag is at Kunstraum which means art room I think that's on Kramer Street uh, it just looks quite fun funny drawings thick marker pens zigzags kind of collagey stuff installation with lamps is that um, the gallery uh, below the arches oh I don't know I've not on actually Kramer been Street. here before yeah I think uh, that is Kramer Street yeah. is that near yeah possibly yeah, Okay, cool. So that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. Yes. What? What else? Um, a third one that sounded good. Well, I've been to this one. Close and far. Russian photography now, curated by a lady called Kate Bush, but it's not the Kate Bush. Aww. Disappointingly. <laughs> Very I disappointed now. I went to a talk by her, and it yeah, it definitely wasn't. Were you hoping it was the, her? Yeah. Well, I kind of thought <laughs> it, it might be. Um, that's at Calvert Twenty Two, and it's um, there's six Russian photographers, one of which. Um, is a guy called Sergei Prokhodin-Gorsky, um, and he was a photographer in the early 1900s, um, and he is one of the pioneers of colour photography, although apparently he never gets credited. It's always Americans or America or England that get credited with the the invention of colour photography, but he actually developed a three... Using, like, three plates of coloured glass, he developed a way of projecting coloured images. So it's his photographs, and then alongside it, there's five contemporary Russian photographers. Um, so it's kind of comparison between contemporary young photography now in Russia and this kind of pioneer from the 1900s. It's really good, yeah, really good. The, especially the, the Prokhodin-Gorsky stuff, because he, at the time, there was no way for him to print colour images but he could project them so in the exhibition they have obviously found a digital way to print them so it's nice to see them printed. That's really interesting I didn't realise that that projection happened before print like colour projection was before printing I had no idea. Well definitely in this case it did it was uh, there's a picture on the the handout there's a a picture of the machine he used so it's it's a projector with three three um, lenses or whatever so you put three plates of glass in they all project I guess into the same point there's kind of colours overlapping to give a coloured image. But at the that time, he had no way of printing them, but he used to project them. Well, yeah, if you can't yeah. do on one way, just go running. <laughs> and the prints are really fantastic. nice because they've got all the kind of colours around the edge, so you can kind of see where the oh. the coloured lights were hitting the... would have hit the wall. It's, yeah, they're really nice. Cool. And where's that check on? Check them out. Um, Calvert 22, which is on... Is it Calvert Avenue? Calvert Avenue, just off Arnold Circus, Shoreditch. Oh, just off Shoreditch High Street. Lovely. All right. And that's on for a while, till 17th of August. That's All good. of these are on for a while, all the ones I mentioned. Oh, that's fantastic, because if you're time. off London for a, for a bit, you can always come back and enjoy yeah. um, great, great exhibitions. There's so much you art can. at the There's moment, lots. Yeah, that's just three it's... of hundreds. So Aha. that's my top three. Brilliant. Was there any other exhibitions? There's other ones that... There's the top, I could tell you about the top five First Thursdays ones, um, one of which is actually the one I mentioned, Mr. Kurtz, He Not Dead. That's one of their top five. Also, six, 16 sculptures by Travis Jefferson at Wilkinson Gallery. He is trying to, attempting to erase the occupational divide between visual artist and writer. So he's kind of, writing is his art, so he does poems and apparently writing installations. I don't know what they are. It sounds good. That's a Wilkinson. Vanitas at Karen Janssen Project Space. Um, and that's apparently Vanitas is a type of symbolic work of art associated with still life. It's about the meaningless of earthly life and the transient nature of all earthly goods and pursuits. Learning lots of stuff today, my people. Sounds utopian. Around the Block, which is a street art exhibition at Wellhung, Hoxton Street. Marta Petrucci. I don't know how you say that, oil, um, at Lime Wharf, and she's trying to recreate um, the con- environmental conditions following the oil spill known as the Black Tide, which apparently was considered to be the worst environmental disaster in recent years. So it's photo- photographs of her recreating the damage that that did, I assume. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's their top five. All right. Great. Thank you very much. Cheers for that. Um, but also, you can visit us on Twitter at East Gas Show, on Facebook, and on our 
website eastcastshow.com for all the details of those listings and also for the gigs that Pearl has been mentioning throughout the show. Of course, you can also find World Cup details, where to go to watch the games, where to avoid in East London. So can I just say, I have managed. I am very proud of myself. I haven't watched a single match. I <laughs> am disappointed, Oh, Pearl. well done. You <laughs> found it very easy. Great. Why it wasn't from... that hard. It hasn't been that hard. Well, you just true. look away if it's being broadcast <laughs> Why are we promoting the World Cup on this show again? Because, um... Hasn't got enough promotion. Well, (laughs) because you can't... Apart from Pearl, you can't really get away from it. Either way, if you have... Well, you can. You're the living proof, right? Are there any kind of, like, artsy places to see the World Cup in? Perhaps, well, I know. <laughs> Perhaps uh, not. Maybe you can re- you can find out about about that and tell us more. Yeah, maybe. I would love to know. Site specific World Cup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for the uh, all those uh, you know people out there that want to let us know about what's going on, just drop us a tweet. We hope you have enjoyed the last hour of East London's arts and culture shenanigans and great music. Speaking of which. We have to ask you, Paul. Yeah, and just before we go, all the tracks that I play are also on our website. There's a SoundCloud playlist, so you can um, hear any of these tracks again. And actually, you know, it, I keep it up to date, and there's probably the, the past 60 tracks of the show. So you Great. can you can just stick it on in the background and hear some very varied and interesting <laughs> music. Um, so, uh, yeah. I think you'll like this one. Um, This is Canadian duo Blue Hawaii. They're signed to the Montreal-based label Arbrutus, which is much more of a collective around a loft space as it is a label. um, They've been creating quite uh, an important... They've been quite an important part of the local scene in Montreal. So anyway, this is uh, Blue Hawaii. I think I've actually played this track before. Um, They're playing at Oval Space on Thursday the 10th of July to support fellow Canadians Ostra. So take it away. Here's Try to Be by Blue Hawaii. Thanks for listening. Oh, <laughs> 